Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I'm back again with Yusip Roine. What's up? Hey, Toby. I finally got the trainer. I mean, the bike trainer. I, I think you mentioned that to me initially. And I went to the shop because I figured, well, Toby has this. I have to have this as well. So I bought the TAC-X more, more gadgets, Neo. right? Yes, exactly, exactly. The more gadgets, the happier you become. That's my motto. So I got the TAC-X Neo 2T. That's the thing you attach to the bike. And I was immensely happy. I finally have this thing. I will start doing more sports and, and, and I will lose weight and life will be great. So I started setting it up and I opened the manual, which I don't normally do. And on the first page of the manual, the first step is attach the cassette that you purchased separately. I'm like, well, what's, what's a cassette? <laughs> there's, there's nothing like buying something and not everything <laughs> is included in the package. Yeah. So long story short, I went to three bike stores to say, hey, I need this cassette thing. I have no idea what it is, but sell me something. I'm happy to pay for it. And they all go, yeah, you see, you know about the Suez Canal and the problem with the container ships? The cassettes are over there. So they are somewhere around Africa, but perhaps wait six months and we will have one for you. So what I have now, I have the trainer disassembled. I have the bike disassembled on my balcony and I'm watching it right now and I cannot use it. But I'm happy that I have more gadgets now. All so, I can hear is, you know, just another excuse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. So that's yep. really the, the highlight of my week. How about for you? Sounds frustrating, but I'm looking forward to taking a virtual bike ride when you get that thing assembled. <laughs> so for me, as I mentioned in a couple of previous episodes, planning now to move to a new house. I am doing the planning to renovate a garage into a big home office. I call it home office slash library at home, but perhaps it's more like a man cave. Depends on how you see it, I guess. And I'm planning to integrate Philips Hue in the ceiling, networking, ventilation, and you know, quite a lot of things to, to think about. It's a different kind of do-it-yourself project this summer uh, where I will not be building as much perhaps IoT gadgets and stuff, but instead actually building or renovating the house. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but obviously, integrating the networking means I get to tinker a little bit with the tech as well uh, during this. So that's going to be pretty good. So, so that's what I've been up to. So that sounds to me like you are moving forward to a world of gadgets and new network equipment and setting those up in the evening, all the fun stuff, really. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I. I usually keep it simple. So I, I hope to keep my minimalistic lifestyle. I All right. So today's episode, we will be exploring Azure Arc. And for this, we have a guest. We have Thomas Maure from Microsoft. Uh, welcome, Thomas. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you've been up to lately. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm part of the Azure uh, engineering team in cloud and AI. Uh, I joined Microsoft, I think it's now over two years ago. Uh, before that, I was a Microsoft MVP and I was working for uh, some Microsoft partners in the past to do like, basically kind of like I was a cloud architect and helped customers to move to the cloud. Right now, 
I'm basically living in the cloud, <laughs> basically talking a lot about obviously Azure hybrid or hyper cloud and multi cloud in general, and how you can actually use, for example, Azure Arc and Azure Stack in your environments. And so one of the questions I get often, what do you do as a cloud advocate? And I always say, well, and on a high level, we do create and deliver content. And that can mean many, many different things. This can obviously be blogs, docs, learn modules, tools, presentations, videos, and, and, and so on. And then the other part, what we do, and that, that I think is very important, that's also why I'm mentioning this, is uh, we try to get a feedback from our customers and communities to understand what is working, what is not working, and how can we make it better. Sounds good. That's a lot of responsibility. So my, in, in, in my head, I had this image that anybody working as a cloud advocate for Microsoft, they, they mostly you know, do PowerPoints and they always put, it depends <laughs> in there, and that's really it is. But that sounds like, like you work a lot with Azure, but I understand also with Azure Stack. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. I mean, if you look at it, what, what Azure Stack now really is, it, it really became part of Azure, right? It's becoming like an extended part of Azure. So um, one of the, the things we understand in Microsoft, and I think this is, this is very important, is that we really believe that hybrid cloud is an end state for many of our customers because there are reasons why customers would want to run or have to run certain applications and services and store data uh, in uh, like in their local data centers or at their edge locations or wherever actually they need uh, their data. Okay, so today's episode, let's let's talk a bit more about Azure Arc and somebody listening on our show for the past year and some might recall we talked about Azure Arc initially in episode 22. So that was quite some time ago. And I, I recall at the time that Azure Arc had been out in preview for just a couple of weeks. So what is Azure Arc and, and why should I care? Yeah. So on a very high level, what Azure Arc does is actually bringing um, Azure management and Azure services to any infrastructure. That is kind of like the nice short marketing slogan we have for it. But obviously, that is also like how you can really shorten it. And, and it does basically two things. So on one hand, we want to deliver um, like our Azure control plane to customers so they can not only leverage it for, the, for Azure services, but also for services running outside of Azure. Doesn't matter if these are running on-premises or even at other cloud providers, right? So we want to give customers the Azure management tools in their, in, in their hands to get that single control plane. Uh, so they can, for example, manage Linux and Windows servers or Kubernetes clusters wherever they are running and have the same management experience as they do with Azure resources. The other big part which Azure Arc does is actually bringing Azure services to wherever the customer wants to run them. I mentioned this already when we talked a little bit about hybrid and obviously Azure Stack. A lot of customers say, well, look, we love the services you run in Azure, right? We, we love, for example, Azure SQL is a great example. Um, our customers tell us, well, it's, it's absolutely fantastic service. We love how it is delivered as a service. Uh, we get all these benefits. However, in some cases, we can't use the one in your Azure region, right? We can like, for example, the Azure region is too far away. So we have too much network latency. Uh, we do not have enough bandwidth. The application can't handle latency. We do not have network connectivity at all, or 
they have data sovereignty challenges, right? And I'm sure there are much more reasons why they can't really like leverage, for example, Azure SQL in one of our Azure regions. So what we are doing is actually, if the customer can't use it in our Azure region, we are bringing that Azure service to the customer. And that is kind of like what we call the Azure Arc enabled services. And so for example, we have right now in, in, in the, the one part of Azure Arc, which is still in preview is the Azure Arc enabled data services. And that is exactly what like brings Azure SQL managed instances and Postgres to our customers' locations. So, so this is pretty interesting. Um, and that was a really good high-level overview. And, and it raises a couple of questions on my side because I'm working with, for example, Postgres SQL in Azure. I'm using that, but I'm also doing a lot of compliance stuff and you know, data sovereignty and security and ensuring that we're following all the compliance rules. And some customers says, well, you're mainly running in West Europe and Central US and whatever other locations where we currently deploy our solution. And someone asked, what if I want to deploy this in my own data center, but I want you to kind of operate it or I want you to be in charge of it? Would that be kind of a use case for Azure Arc? So, so, so there's, you, you covered many, like you have many different and interesting questions in that one. Um, so yeah, we, with, with Azure Arc, we, first of all, we give you the management tool, tools like Azure Policy, Azure Update Management, security center and then and a lot more which you can then leverage for for that and then with like services like obviously the azure arc enabled data services part they kind of like come come bundled as a service so exactly in that scenario um, the updates are um the update process is taken care of the security part is taken care of there's still things you need to provide obviously um it's not a complete black box in that sense you still need to for example the azure arc enabled data services you need to have some sort of a Kubernetes cluster, so you can deploy that. Um, deploy that, like what we call the data controller, on top of that, and from that you can then deploy managed instances. This is then again, this is something where we kind of like have this. You're still in charge of operating that Kubernetes cluster, for example, right? Uh, but then we, on top, take care of that making sure that this is actually delivered as an Azure service. So you're absolutely right um, uh, to that question. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then. You know, from from someone, I'm looking from the outside, and I'm looking at this as something I might want to use in my real production scenarios, and that means I would be familiar with the tools, I would be familiar with the services, I would be managing it fairly similar or even the same way as any native uh, service I run on Azure. Yeah, correct. It's it's really not just like um, I mean, Azure was really built up from the ground up to be hybrid, right? And we had like hybrid services. This is not something new, which we just came up with Azure Arc. A lot of the Azure um, services uh, were already available in hybrid environments. We realized obviously there are two, two challenges to this. We, we did a bad job talking about this and telling customers that this exists. And secondly, what it kind of like was, was that you basically installed the agent and then every service basically onboarded like let's say server a little bit differently. So for example, you had a agent for monitoring, you had an agent for um, uh, doing DSC, for example, and stuff like that, right? And every service handled that a little bit differently. And with Azure Arc, we actually unifying the way of how we onboard um, not just servers, but also Kubernetes clusters and others to Azure. And then it really becomes a native Azure resource. So if you, it's not just showing up in the portal, it's also like if you're looking at it and using your CLI or APIs, or if you use Azure Resource Graph, 
it really is an Azure resource. They are part of an Azure resource provider. So for example, for server, um, we have, for example, for, for Azure virtual machines, it's the uh, Azure compute uh, resource provider. And then for example, if you connect ARC machines, it's the hybrid compute resource provider. So right. those are, this is an important thing uh, to mention is really these, these services really become a native Azure resource, right? Even though they're outside of Azure, for Azure, they're still part of the Azure resource manager. I, re I really like that. And it was good that you mentioned that. We did have an episode in the past, I don't recall the number for, um, you know, the Graph Explorer where you can go in and query, get insights, make an inventory of your resources. Now you can do that with the things that are not actually in your own data center, but connected through Azure Arc. I did not know that. And that is something going down onto my list when I check this out. So that's a very good tip. Oh, correct. And I mean, this now, like you bring that to the point, right? With that, you get inventory, you can use tagging, you can use um, like matching with resource groups and all that good stuff we, we, we get from the Azure Resource Manager. Same thing, by the way, with uh, role-based access control. Um, we see like a, a lot of usage there where actually people say, okay, we're going to manage everything through Azure. Uh, and we remove the access of our admins to that specific machine um, so they can actually use Azure um, to manage that machine and we can actually have a good structure of role-based access. On top of that, obviously, this now enables us to actually onboard other Azure management services, right? I, I mentioned update management, security center, and all that. As soon as you have something is an Azure resource, you can actually just go and basically turn features like this on for that specific resource. I remember, perhaps it was late last year, maybe maybe Ignite, that Microsoft announced Azure Space. And I saw on social media somebody saying, finally, we have Azure Space. I can have my own data center in the satellites. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't think it means that exactly. So with Azure Arc, my understanding is that if I'm to deploy this, within my company, I might have something in on-premises, let's say a bunch of virtual machines. Then I have Azure in, in one of the regions available that I do not need Azure Stack. That's my understanding. But is it also so that I do not need an Azure Express route or site-to-site -site VPN to connect these two worlds, but I can actually use whatever I have in my local data center and then connect from Azure to my local data center and, and get the Azure Arc-based features through this. Is this, this how it works? Yes, so yes, absolutely. So what, how that actually works is that, I mean, the, the, the interesting point that will come to that, you can use all these features to connect, but you don't have to. So the way it works is you're gonna deploy a agent on top of, of one of your servers. Let's, let's speak about servers. It could be also Kubernetes clusters. Um, and that agent then basically connects against the Azure APIs and it's outgoing traffic on port 443. So it's encrypted and it's only outgoing traffic, right? It's not that you need to open any firewall ports, incoming stuff or anything like that. You don't need to have a side-to-side -side VPN or express route as I mentioned. This is just going and, and it's hitting some of the Azure APIs and we obviously, if you're behind a proxy, that can work as well. We can whitelist the APIs and the specific IP addresses. And from there, this agent obviously goes out and pulls whatever task you're doing. Um, we have different, we call that extensions. So this is the Azure connected machine agent. And that basically has extensions and that can go out and enable 
different services I mentioned, update management, for example. And the great thing about this is that with that agent, your server does get a managed identity. So you probably, for some of you are familiar with like Azure VMs have managed identity, which they can leverage to authenticate against to access Azure or applications which use Azure Active Directory. And now with Azure Arc, you can also use that for machines outside of Azure, which is really, really powerful because now you can just set a permission to an application or for example, to Key Vault uh, to a machine instead of like having a local user um, credential stored or anything like that. And so that is how you can connect um, and start managing. This allows you then also, I mentioned like uh, VPN and Express Route. Um, some customers have the requirements that um, they're not allowed to like basically go directly over and um, like uh, internet uh, connectivity. So in that sense, they can go over VPN or Express Route um, uh, if they have this requirement using private link uh, connectivity. So that is also a possibility. I think this feature is currently in private preview, but we heard hear that from a lot of customers oh that's great to hear because this effectively tells me that i can meet with any of my customers and they might have any sort of connectivity to and from azure and i can say azure arc will deploy in this setup as long as we design what we want out from this so a slightly more detailed question and i know how unfair it is always to ask somebody live that okay i've got this super specific question and you need to know the answer now but this got me thinking that if I can tag my resources in the local VM, uh, in, in, in the local data center, uh, can I leverage that information then later on in Azure cost management? Because in cost management, I often use tagging to see, okay, what do we have in production and let's see what, what it costs. But I'm not sure if Azure Arc fits into this picture at all. Um, you you can definitely use all the tags you want, like the same structure. I mean, I, I always bring the example with the cost center. The, the question is really like, how do you want to use it? I mean, it's it's again, you can exactly use the tags in the way you would use it for Azure resources, um, for cost management, but also, for example, for role-based access control or just organizing your resources. So absolutely, this works exactly the same way uh, as, as you would expect. It, I mean, it's also like depends a bit of cost. Obviously, uh, there is a different cost structure. It's not we cannot charge you for the virtual machines you're running in your own data center. But obviously, there are some like as on an Azure Arc. Basically, the base set of features is even free. Uh, but there are some additional costs. Obviously, if you start to use higher level services like Azure Security Center and stuff like that, which then show up in cost management. And then again, with tax, you can easily identify. Uh, where to charge these costs to. Okay, that's that's very promising. Um, I think, Toby, we've discussed about Azure policy perhaps a couple of times. We maybe did an episode on that one, and I make myself sound like we've done 2,000 episodes and we can't <laughs> even recall all the topics, but we've done a lot in a short period of time. Uh, so does Azure policy fit in to any of this? Do I need to use Azure Policy if I deploy Azure Arc? Or if I have Azure Policy, do I get anything, any benefits from Azure Arc through that? Oh, absolutely. So this, I, I'm glad you bring this up because this is uh, one of my favorite features, actually, um, especially when it comes to management. 
So obviously you can use Azure policy to configure your Azure environment and uh, make sure that, for example, developers can only deploy uh, virtual machines in different sizes or in certain regions and so on. And with Azure policy guest configuration, you can actually also make sure that you can audit the operating systems of Azure virtual machines, doesn't matter if it's Linux or Windows. And with Azure Arc now, we can extend Azure policy to your machines outside. So you can basically go out and use all the Azure guest configuration policies you have available, uh, assign them to your resource groups or subscriptions or directly to your um, Arc servers, and then basically go out and audit these systems. So for example, one thing we do, I do often is a policy which does audit for insecure password settings. So I just have a policy which does like audit my environment if I have any servers with insecure password settings. And that now extends with Azure Arc to servers which are running underneath my desks here, um, or uh, even at servers I run at other cloud providers. So this is pretty cool. And I think about it as like, like Azure policy guest configuration. I feel like now with Azure Arc, it really became like group policies on steroids, right? I think that is, that is what I basically refer to it because the servers don't necessarily need to be active directory domain joint. You don't have that requirement. You can like, you don't have to have a VPN connection to your domain controls and stuff like that. It all works as to, uh, with that agent I, we just talked about. Excellent. Uh, Toby, are you foreseeing any scenarios where you could use Azure Arc or do you, do you foresee this as something you could do with any, any of your customers? I do. I'm, I'm already thinking about uh, potential use cases, both for myself, but more so for some of the customers I've talked to. And I, I like this idea where a lot of customers that are going to the cloud obviously have a lot of workloads and nobody I've talked to has ever said, let's go to the cloud today and then we're done, right? It, I mean, if you're a small company or moving a couple of workloads, that might be the case. But for a lot of the enterprises I work with, you have to do kind of a gradual migration or transition into the cloud. And that's where hybrid comes in, of course. And this seems to fit the bill where a lot of these things that customers run for data sovereignty reasons, coming back to compliance that I mentioned before, is a big topic for a lot of customers. And they say, look, we want to run the data ourselves. We want to host the data ourselves, not even in Azure. We want to have it on our data center, you know, but we want everything else from Azure. We want Azure AD and, and like Thomas mentioned here with managed identities, for example, which is a cool thing and connecting that with role-based access control and being able to utilize the features that you already have for everything else, you are kind of moving into Azure, but still this one big chunk of workload uh, for example, the SQL server or the PostgreSQL server with the data you have that you cannot move to the cloud for whatever reasons. Often it's legal reasons and, you know, with data sovereignty, I'm not allowed to send this data over the wire. I'm not allowed to place it somewhere else outside of my own facilities in some cases. And even if the data center would be right next door, you're still not being compliant if you actually move it to the data center next door because then it's outside of your facilities. So in these scenarios, I see this as also as a great benefit. And I had these discussions a lot with different customers. So I definitely see a use case, multiple use cases, uh, but I don't know enough about it or I don't have enough experience. So I can say, I know 100% I'm going to use it for this or use it for that. But what I just learned from Thomas, I, I have at least 10 use cases that I want to figure out where this fits the bill. And I'm sure it's going to fit the bill for multiple of them. 
Sounds good. Uh, so sort of trying to understand the, the capabilities of Azure Arc, we've, we've discussed a bit that, okay, it applies to virtual machines. But I, I think if I still have physical servers, it works there as well. But uh, Thomas, you mentioned uh, Kubernetes clusters. And, and often I think when somebody mentions Kubernetes to me, I think, well, now you have 50 more problems with that. But beyond Kubernetes, uh, you mentioned data services. So is this just SQL Server? Is this something else? Or is this just data in general? Or, or how should we approach Azure Arc beyond data services? Yep. So, so you're absolutely right. I mean, the point you just made is very, also I want to go back to, to the server part. You're absolutely right. It's obviously not just virtual machines. It's also physical machines. Uh, it really doesn't matter. It can be Linux and can be Windows. And it doesn't also, it doesn't really matter where they're running, right? Uh, then we have Kubernetes clusters, which again can be different flavors of Kubernetes. It doesn't need to be like some sort of Microsoft um, flavored Kubernetes version or anything. If you have like your OpenShift uh, cluster, you can also connect connect that. However, you can obviously use AKS on top of Azure Stack HCI, for example. Um, that is also a possibility. So if you're looking at that, that's currently in preview, where we bring the AKS service on top of uh, Azure Stack HCI, so you can run AKS in your own data center. You can use that with Azure Arc as well. And then we have the data services. And this is actually a good part. This is like, um, I'm happy that you bring this up because as we mentioned, as we talked before, the Azure Arc enabled data services brings, for example, um, Azure uh, SQL managed instances and um, Postgres hyperscale um, to, to our customers. But it also allows you to connect existing SQL servers as well. So if you run your existing SQL servers on top of, let's say, a, a Windows server, for example, uh, you can connect that up as well. And then, for example, you can get uh, security recommendations depending on your SQL configuration. It will help you to make sure that your SQL Server is configured in a uh, good state and a healthy state, and also make sure that it's really secure. And um, we'll give you that these recommendations. So that is kind of like the what on the data services part, what we currently announce and talk about. Um, we also have Azure Stack HCI, uh, which we now mentioned a couple of times, which actually has Azure Arc built in. So every new Azure Stack HCI cluster needs to be connected to um, Azure at one point. It, it's not that it needs to be constantly connected. I think it needs to be like every 30 days, it needs to basically report usage, but that's basically it. But for, for that, it uses at the Azure Arc agent. Again, this is built into the OS. It's not something you need to go and download in terms of, in terms of Azure Stack HCI. So you can also do that. And uh, you will also get with connecting that, you will get additional features like monitoring for your Azure Stack HCI cluster out of the cloud. Uh, you will be able to do like self-service VM creation out of the cloud on your Azure Stack HCI cluster running in your own data center or edge location. So that is that is pretty cool. I think those are like currently the use cases we have publicly announced. Um, and obviously we are always want to, are happy to learn what else our customers want to do with these possibilities. Because again, when we launched Azure Arc at the beginning, uh, it was really like, like highlighting the fact that this is now a way to onboard resources or deploy resources outside of Azure, right? And now we obviously want to know, okay, what do customers need? What do customers want? Which services do they want? And, and so we're definitely happy, happy to learn that base. Okay, so 
when Azure Stack HCI was announced, I can't recall when it was, but I initially thought the HCI stands for hardcore installation, <laughs> but I, I, I think it means hyper-converged infrastructure or some such thing. But if, if I go to the store, I buy the cheapest Intel Nook machine, put it under my table, install Windows Server 2019 or Linux, push a couple of VMs on it. My understanding now is that I can simply start using Azure Arc to, to, to monitor and, and manage remotely those capabilities I have on this cheap Intel Nook. Yeah, sure, sure, you're correct. So what you can do, and I, it's by the way, it's exactly what I have done here um, in my home lab. I call it my home data center, but actually it's really <laughs> just just the Intel Nuke uh, underneath my desk. Um, and I installed Windows Server 2019, uh, and now I installed the Arc agent on top of it. And this gives me then obviously all these management capabilities I mentioned. I, for example, make, use update management to like every weekend, um, it goes out and installs the latest updates on that machine. And then I have virtual machines on top of that, which I can then also, I installed the agent in the, inside these virtual machines as well. These can, again, I have a couple of Linux virtual machines there. I have a couple of older Windows versions um, I'm, I'm doing for test, I use for testing as well. And I all have, they all have the Arc agent installed and I do like some management of that. So I don't need to like, very simply, like I obviously demo these features, but I also use it to actually like make sure that all these servers are patched, uh, configured the right way, um, and even monitored. So I like I set up an alert that when something goes down, for example, we have a power outage or something like that, I obviously get the information that suddenly my my nuke is down, and so I get informed about that. I mean, in my case, that's probably not that hard because I can just plug in the, uh, the button and uh, or press the button there and that's fine but uh, you get the point that if you're um, an enterprise company you probably want to see that well one of our servers is down I want to know why and figure out why that is and that is exactly where for example Azure Arc can help together with Azure Monitor for example. So now I really know that I, I need to expand my home lab so that I can really utilize Azure Arc. I, I can but, see, you know, the dollar signs in Yuki's eyes. Now I can yeah. buy more gadgets. Finally, I have a reason. Finally, finally a reason to, to buy something more, to consume more electricity at home. Uh, so what does it cost? Uh, is, is there some sort of super complex licensing model with Azure Arc? And I'm thinking Power Platform here because I've spent a lot of time with that licensing in the past couple of days. What should I worry about here? So I, I cannot really talk about the power platform licensing, so I have no idea. Um, Nobody but, can. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so for, for Arc, it's actually fairly simple. Fairly simple. So like onboarding a server to Azure Arc um, and making it show up in the Azure portal and like using like tagging and, and all these, these things, that is actually free. So when you do that, you get all this benefit. Also like the managed identity, basically you get that these features for free. As soon as you start then leveraging some of the management capabilities, like for example, let's say log analytics or stuff like that, or security center, these come with a cost involved. And in many cases, these are also the same thing as in, in Azure, right? You, you, you pay for these extra services. Uh, we also, one difference we have is for the policy part, for Azure, like Azure policy for Azure virtual machines, for example, free. Uh, we obviously charge you something when when you have an ARC machine. And again, we, li we, we list that 
the same thing, by the way, for Kubernetes clusters, uh, as well as for, for data, uh, for others uh, like SQL Server and stuff like that. Uh, we list that in the Azure portal or on the pricing page. You can exactly say um, like what the differences are, but no worries. You can really actually go out and try it out. As soon as you then enable certain additional features, that will be the moment where uh, you get additional charged. For data services, these things are currently in public preview. So there is currently no extra charge on that. We did not announce any pricing yet. My guess, and again, this is just a guess, that there obviously will be some sort of cost because you're obviously running an Azure service. Um, doesn't matter if it's running outside of Azure or inside of Azure. It might be a different price, but like that is something I think. Again, I don't know, um, and we did not announce anything how that will work in the future. Okay, sounds sounds reasonable and, and, and clear enough for sure. One last question on this. You mentioned Microsoft Learn in the beginning, that that's perhaps one of the things where you spend time producing content in there. We can put this in the show notes, but is there content available on Azure Arc or Microsoft Docs that listeners should go to next to learn more about Azure Arc? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. Yes, you're absolutely right. Microsoft Learn, again, great place, free of charge. Uh, you can go out. We have a learning path on Azure Arc as well as on Azure Stack uh, related things. So you can actually go out and, and try this for free and, on, and, and basically go through these learning paths. We also have a great like page on, on documentation on all the features of Azure Arc and um, on Azure Stack as well. And what I also highly recommend are a couple of other resources. There is the Azure Arc Jumpstart uh, guides, basically. It's like Azure Arc Jumpstart.io. And that is basically a great resource if you want to start and trying out Azure Arc, because it's like really, I know like they provide you with scripts and automation to quickly spin up and try out different scenarios. So for example, if you today have a uh, Google or AWS subscription, there is an automation script which creates everything for you and connects it up to uh, Azure using Azure Arc. So pretty cool stuff there. Really highly recommend that. Uh, then also we have Microsoft Tech Community where we have a Azure Arc uh, community uh, as well um, to talk about the different features and have discussions. Uh, that's also where the product group uh, usually is. So if you have any feedback or questions, you can always reach out there. And then I highly recommend, especially if you're living in that high, in that hybrid and multi-cloud world, that you check out our cloud adoption framework and our Azure Architecture Center, where we have a lot of different hybrid uh, assets as well. So that's a lot of really useful content. We'll make sure to capture all of this in the show notes. And I trust that if people don't find the answers from any of these resources, you will have 24-hour free help desk available on social <laughs> media. Uh, last thing, the unexpected question. Toby, would you do the honors, please? Yeah, I, I actually have two questions today uh, because <laughs> it's a special episode. We have a special guest. And the first question to Thomas is, what's the best thing before sliced bread? <laughs> uh, I, as a Swiss person, we obviously have a couple of couple of things which I would say. Um, I'm, and and my girlfriend is probably or my fiance is probably listening to this. And if I say Swiss fondue, she will basically say, "Well, you don't like fondue so much." So uh, <laughs> um, I, I I think I believe it's Swiss chocolate. I oh. by 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 far like this is That's this is the way way to go. That's a good answer. 
So, so Swiss chocolate to me, it's Toblerone. That's the only thing I know. But is there an alternative Swiss chocolate we don't know about? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the good chocolate we usually keep inside Switzerland. But I will make sure that I, I will give you give you some. Uh, I do not have any sponsoring contracts. So I'm not sure if I'm allowed to like, any like disclose any brands here. <laughs> so, if any one of the big chocolate manufacturers wants to like. Take advantage of this in the future please reach out to me uh, or my management um, no but uh, yeah there are very like we have obviously a couple of very good ones um, one of my my favorite ones and whenever i re highly recommend to everyone to try it is uh, lederach chocolate like this is my like by far like the 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 thing i would like i don't this is not the thing you would buy every single day this is like the chocolate you buy if you want like, to like make someone happy or you want to apologize for something, <laughs> um, then you bring the right one. Okay, so nice. I better st stock up on that then. Um, <laughs> we will we'll put the link in the show notes as well. Toby, you had another question as well. I do have another one, uh, slightly different, but also perhaps a bit unexpected. So I'm about to give you a full life-sized living elephant, and you cannot get rid of it. What will you do with it? I was just like keeping it. Like, uh, why would I uh, like and and I put it in the garden or something like that? I don't have that much of a garden, so I need to figure out uh, where. But um, like where I live now, uh, we have this kind of like big space in the middle of all the different flats. Um, I think I would just put it there, and um, I think and a bucket of water, also... and you have a, a sprinkler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's also like a bit rainy sometimes, so like. I'm sure there are also a lot of kids here, so they would definitely enjoy that, uh, having that in the neighborhood. So, <laughs> <laughs> the friendly neighborhood elephant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this was excellent. Thank you, Thomas, for taking the time. Thank you for the insights. Uh, we'll make sure to put your contact details in the show notes if people want to read your blog or follow you on social media. Um, Toby, I think we're done. Anything else you want to add before we close up? Nothing from my side. Uh, very insightful episode. Uh, thank you for all the insights. It was great. I now have a lot of new things on my to-do list. So thank you for that. <laughs> so now I need to go through and do all the research uh, on Azure Arc. Excellent. Thank you, Thomas, for being here. Thank you very much for having me. All right. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm.